This is the 72nd episode of Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze. This past week, it was 20 hours of Fox News, and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Here's the headline. Biden battles a beach chair, more cocaine capers, and summer is hot. Look at him struggle here to try and move a beach chair that probably weighs all of two pounds uh, and take it a few feet. And, and then look at the sitting. It's not exactly very comfortable. Is he going to make it? Is it going to tip over? Good, Joey. Very good. In case you haven't noticed yet, presidential candidates are flexing some serious muscle to win over your vote and send Joe Biden's beach bot into retirement. Oh, when Biden is on the beach. Yeah. And you can see him there, right? And yeah. he goes to the beach a lot, right? Yeah. As Mark Halperin says in his newsletter, uh, when you see a turtle on a fence post, you know it didn't get there itself. <laughs> so the White House is probably thinking, okay, we've got to figure out a way to get some pictures out there of you know, President Biden. I don't know if that's how they thought it would turn out. Right. A lot of stress around, pulling that, that beach chair <laughs> along the beaches of Delaware. And, of course, fighting uh, with his beach chair at a different moments. Look at that. He had a very hard time moving that beach chair and getting it in the right position and, you know, bending over and everything. I mean, uh, it was hard. Anyway, seizing an opportunity. How odd was it for the, for the president to go to bed last night and say he was too tired? You were just on the beach over the weekend. What are after you he was on the beach, we saw him trying to open up that, that chair at the beach over the weekend. Listen, the two weekends before tricky. that, he was at, Saint Dave, at, um, at Camp David with right. his son, with Hunter. Then the president, you know, had this fight with a, with a beach chair uh, over there, and he, he just looked like he could barely move. I didn't even know how often they use that until I start searching for it to make that clip. And it, it was worse than I thought. I was like, I think there's like three or four references. And I'm like, That's, this, is, this is crazy. And what it was was a very short clip, uh, maybe 30 seconds, if that, of an 80-year-old man, our president, walking around with one of those really low beach chairs, the kind that's just right on the sand, that you're just a few inches off the sand. Like, you're basically in the sand. You're just a little bit not. Not a proper, like, uh, lawn chair. This is a beach chair. This is in the ground. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I would have difficulty <laughs> getting in and out of that chair. And I'm significantly younger than the president. Uh, I think anybody over the age of 25 would have had difficulty because knees go quickly. Knees, <laughs> knees are one of those things in the human body that's like, you know what? We've had a good run. Can we just... So as they showed this brief maybe 30 second, I don't even know if it was 30 seconds long, clip of Biden on the beach with a beach chair. The struggle, the struggle is real. Um, Fox News hosts also showed like a carousel, as it were, of every time the president had stumbled, tripped, even not even stumbled or tripped, but almost stumbled or tripped on like a loop behind them. And sometimes they would mention it, sometimes they wouldn't, but the images were there just over and over again. Oh no, look, oh no, look, oh no, look. And it was all... He's one trip away from death. He's one trip away from death. Um, so that was a prominent theme last week. And then they also would not let the bag of cocaine die. That was found in a visitor area of the White House. They dredged it up again. It was a major topic. It was the second most talked about topic on the network, which was stunning. I just couldn't believe it. You'd think it was like radioactive waste the way they talked about it. it was so dangerous that this small bag of cocaine 
uh, could be found by someone. Oh no, what are we going to do? Now that was the start of the week. By the end of the week, the network had pivoted to every single Democratic donor, big donor, secretly doesn't want Joe Biden to be the nominee, but they won't come out and say it. They just secretly think that. And the, the basis for this was a couple of editorials um, that Fox used as sort of a cudgel to prove, you know, we've got a few people have this opinion, so therefore every Democrat has this opinion. They just won't come out and say it, that Joe Biden is too old, he needs to be replaced, and these are the people we're going to replace him with. Even though, now Fox has been doing this for months, They've said uh, people as, you know, Gavin Newsom, uh, Pete Buttigieg. My other favorite is Oprah and Michelle Obama. And of course, Hillary Clinton, because, you know, Hillary Clinton went in doubt that scares their base. Just whip out Hillary Clinton. Michelle Obama is hilarious because she said she's never wanted to, never wants to run. Same with Oprah. But, you know, just went in doubt. Famous black woman who's popular. Just whip her name out. There you go. She's running for president. So this first voice that you're going to hear is Piers Morgan. He is British. He used to have a show on CNN. He's also been a broadcaster in England. But here, in the UK, I should say. But here, he now has a show on Fox Nation, which I don't know who watches it, but okay. He was subbing for the last week of that placeholder show, Fox News Tonight, which was left after Tucker Carlson got fired. Uh, The network replaced him with this kind of generic, generically named Fox News Tonight, and they had rotating hosts. And Pierce was the last host of that show. So here we go. The President Biden is an old man. But how much time does he have left? This may sound an indelicate question, but the media is now openly speculating about the president's life expectancy. Is it a fair and valid question? Well, possibly. He's running for re-election through 2028. But will he make it another six years? So... Already we've gone from old man struggles with a beach chair with old man will drop dead at any moment. Thank you, Piers Morgan. Thank you. And now we're going to move on to Hannity. Now, tonight, many on the left, they are lashing out at the Biden administration. In fact, one MSDNC host is outraged that White House staffers are not doing enough to make Joe look younger and more competent. If you see Joe Biden, the struggles he's had, the approval rating that's uh, that is... Uh, been around 40%, sometimes as low as 36%. You wonder, is he really going to run for re-election? Judging by the falls over the sandbags, uh, the the lack of interviews, the press conferences, the problems he's had with public addresses. But not only have we noticed it, Democrats seem to have noticed it, and they might be queuing up a replacement and a dramatic move as early as the fall, maybe even this summer. Well, it comes amid a new report on how the president's antics have got Democrats worried. Top donors are said to be quietly looking for a replacement candidate, bring in Newsom. Enough, but it finally appears a Democratic establishment has had enough of Joe Biden. Party leaders and donors see what you, the American people, have seen for more than two years. An 80-year-old president who is far past his prime. A president who often looks like he doesn't know who or where he is at any given moment. Gaffes, literal physical falls and other embarrassing moments have plagued Joe Biden. Top Democrats are having quiet conversations on the sidelines on who could replace him on the Democratic ticket. That's according to a stunning new report at CNN. 
Sources have told the network that the physically demanding campaign trail will only accentuate Biden's age to voters. The walls are now closing in on the Biden White House. The Atlantic is now calling for Joe to step aside. Biden was just slammed by the New York Times for being a deadbeat granddad, also USA Today. And here's fake news CNN, quote, the slow pace of Biden's reelection campaign feeds Democrats 2024 anxiety. So I just want to point out again that that Atlantic article that they probably will keep citing, I'm betting for weeks now, um, was written by a Republican. Jessica Tarloff pointed that out last week. And the Republican is entitled to his opinion. And uh, the other articles that they mentioned were also editorials. And then they used language that was incredibly vague, like sources say, people are saying... (laughs) The uh, word on the street is basically is what they were saying. And then they were very vague, just saying Democratic donors. Uh, What's that? Who knows? There was no specific person. There was no specific quote like I'm a Democratic donor and I don't want Biden to run. That did not exist. So I should give out a shout out to my sponsor since I'm 10 minutes into this. Uh, This this project is made possible by the Town Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. And make no mistake, I am not a 25-year-old grad student. I'm a non-traditional person when I went to grad school, much older than that. And uh, I'm very much a graduate of that program. What I'm about to embark on, and I hope that you are going to be with me on this, is to become 100% like Aaron Rupar, 100% reader and listener supported and if you want to be a part of that you can become a paid subscriber at my Substack or a paid supporter at my patreon both are very useful and if you can't afford it you want to support this project share this podcast share the newsletter with friends that's always appreciated that's just as good because it helps expand the audience and that expanding audience also helps expand into paid subscribers. So thank you so much. Um, and I will go right back to the podcast. Here we go. So on the five last week, um, this was from Thursday. They were back to this cocaine story. And I have a feeling this cocaine story will never die. It will be whipped up <laughs> a week before the election. You know what? They found a bag of cocaine in the White House and they never figured out who who dropped it there? It must have been Hunter Biden. Must have been Hunter Biden. So uh, I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. I do think that they will, it, because this sort of never had an ending, this means Fox will exploit this for all it's worth. So again, this is from The Five. It starts off with Greg Gutfeld. No video. No, but like if this had happened on January 6th, if they had found a bag of cocaine on January 6th, there would have been like eight different angles of whoever had it. But for some reason, it's just not on the White House. Where are the cameras? And they don't have any cameras. Yeah. Like, everyone has a ring camera. There's like three cameras on my dog right now just to make sure I know what he's doing at all times. Mm-hmm. And number two, why are the cameras not working? Where are the canines? Further. And if they've narrowed it down to 500 people, there would have to be cameras to be able to help them even narrow that number down even further. And I would imagine if it's only been a week and a half or two and you've narrowed it down to 500 people to all the points that have been made, they ought to be able to find a camera that can help narrow it down even even more. So we go through everybody on the five has, you know, lamenting why, why didn't these cameras work? What's going on with the cameras? Cameras, cameras, cameras. And now I answer that with a clip from earlier in the week of Kaylee McEnany, and then we're going to hear from Representative Moskowitz, and then there's a clip from ABC News. And I'm just going to play these three right in a row that sort of explain 
why there's no surveillance footage. President, so I would say at this point, it would have to be a staff member if that reporting is true. There are no cameras inside the West Wing, so that makes it much more difficult. But sit down every staff member. This was. Uh, they surmised during this period of time, there is no necessary camera footage uh, of this area. The, there's reasons to that that I can't go into based on the location uh, of this particular area. The Secret Service putting out this statement, and they said a little bit of what you just alluded to, Kira, which is because that there was a not enough physical evidence, they were not able to nail down whose cocaine this was. A little bit from that statement, it goes, without physical evidence, the investigation will not be able to single out a person of interest from the hundreds of individuals who had passed through the vestibule where the cocaine was discovered, saying that that part of the White House where this cocaine was discovered was a vestibule that hundreds of people had access to. And because of that, and the lack of security cameras and other physical evidence, the Secret Service closing this investigation without naming whose drugs these were. The clip of Representative Moskowitz is from Fox News Tonight. It was the same night that the clip I just played you from The Five was from. And I always love, they, for whatever reason, people on Fox are foolish enough to invite Representative Jared Moskowitz on to talk about anything, because he's very good. <laughs> like, if you've ever watched him, He's subtle because he doesn't get all worked up. He's not going to yell. He's not going to scream, but he's very good at what he does. He's very good at debate. He's uh, very, very skilled at arguing. Um, and I just love it. Every time I see him, I go, I get kind of giddy because I'm like, oh, it's Moskowitz. It's Moskowitz. Now, he was also on, he was paired with Anna Paulina Luna. And he had just come from a briefing that the Secret Service had given Congress about exactly what happened, protocols that they have in place that protect the White House from like ricin or anthrax, because they kept bringing that up. Like, what if it was anthrax? Well, there apparently there's protocols for that. They have technology for that. They have dogs that can sniff for that. They don't have uh, drug sniffing dogs because drugs aren't really a physical threat to anyone's safety. Cocaine is not going to, you know, kill you unless you take it. And no one's going to just see a bag of white powder and go, you know what? I'm just going to sniff this for no reason. It That's not going to happen. So, um, he sort of explained this at length, and it was interesting because Anna Paulina Luna didn't seem to know any of this. So I'm like, did she not go to the hearing or the meeting with the Secret Service, or was it only a certain committee? What What's going on here? How does he know all this stuff, but she knows nothing? Because she literally knew nothing. She's just like, it could have been anthrax. And he's like, yeah, no, they've got protocols for that. That's it, fine. Don't worry. And he explained at length that this new, this was like a new entrance that got started under the Trump administration. It's in the West Wing, and it's for very specific groups of people, and it was heavily trafficked, tourists mostly, guests of the White House. This is not for the family, all of this. He went into detail. But I just thought it was funny that, again, Anna Paulina Luna was just completely oblivious to all of this, as was Piers Morgan. Nobody bothered to do any research. It was just like, oh, my God, they found cocaine at the White House. Freak out! Now, speaking of freaking out, the next clip is that we haven't had one of these in a while, is a clutch your pearls moment. Clutch your pearls is when somebody on Fox freaks out over something they shouldn't be freaking out over. They should not be freaking out over. And this is an excellent example. This is uh, Jackie Henricks. Henrik, you probably don't know her name because she's normally on the regular legitimate 
legitimate in quotes, news programs on Fox News, but they had her on a brief segment on Fox and Friends. Clutch your pearls, darling, clutch your pearls. Fox is inventing international incidents, they are. And this is a great example of one. Uh, the president was just joking with the UK prime minister. They've only been meeting once a month or so because they've had so many frequent meetings in the last several months. But uh, the president really made a point of stopping here uh, to meet with the king after missing his coronation. Um, you know, I know a lot of people in the United Kingdom, and Ainsley was over there for the uh, coronation of King Charles III, uh, were steamed that our president didn't go, that it was like a snub. And that's when he called him up on the phone and said, hey, uh, the new king did to the president. Why do you stop by for a state visit sometime? So that's what this is all about, right? A makeover. No, this is not a makeover, Steve Ducey. Uh, the United States has never sent a president to the coronation of any monarch in the UK. We just don't do it. Given our history, it would make sense that we don't go and bow before a king. We just don't go. And the fact that we sent First Lady uh, Jill Biden and her granddaughter was above and beyond anything any American president has done before, including the last coronation, which was of Queen Elizabeth II in 1953. Then President Dwight D. Eisenhower kept to tradition, even though he had a very strong relationship with her, and he sent a diplomatic envoy instead. So it's never happened. It was not a snub. This is no incident. Nobody... Um, you know, screwed up here. It's just not done. United presidents of the United States do not go to coronations in the UK. Doesn't happen. So, and also it's funny that he acts like, you know, King Charles just picked up the phone and was like, hey, let's hang out. Apparently that doesn't happen either. Any sort of meeting like this would have been prepared months in advance by an entire team in the UK and the United States. The, the, nothing about this was casual. So this next story, um, it's difficult to report on a negative. Like if Fox News completely ignores something, how do I show that to you? I can tell you, but how do I show that to you? So I decided to do something bold this week that I've never done before, is I've made a montage, because I always compare Fox News to the PBS NewsHour. I made an entire montage of stories that were kind of major stories on the NewsHour last week about the climate disasters that we had last week and the extreme heat. So I'm just gonna play these. You'll hear a, like a slight noise in between each day. I put a little sound effect in between Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. The voices you'll hear, I didn't really mark them in the newsletter because it was, um, I didn't want it to take up too much space and get too complicated because I'm just trying to show you the quote. It doesn't really matter who said it. It's just the quote of this is what was in the script for PBS NewsHour. This is how important the climate stories were. But the voices that you're going to hear are the brilliant co-host Jeff Bennett and Omnia Navas. They're both top-notch, top of their game, excellent journalists, and they just kind of spell it out. I should add very quickly, you're going to hear a little sound effect in between each day. So we're going to go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. These are all brief clips. You're just going to hear a little, like, it's like a it's a jet sound that I cut, but you're going to hear a little whoo in between each day. From one end of the country to the other, extreme weather is the top story tonight. Ferocious heat in the west and drowning rains in the east are making headlines. Both the heat and the heavy rains persisted today, and millions of Americans were left to cope and clean up.
And in New England, a storm for the ages has ravaged Vermont. There have been no deaths or injuries, but property damage could reach the tens of millions of dollars. And parts of the state capitol are underwater. It was a storm that dumped nearly an entire summer's worth of rain in a matter of days. Vermont hit with the same slow-moving storm pattern that devastated parts of New York yesterday. The flooding that ravaged Vermont this week was receding today. In Montpelier, the capital, cleanup crews plowed through sludge as cars struggled to maneuver on streets slick with mud. At a briefing, FEMA chief Deanne Criswell said it's evidence that climate change is at work and getting worse. Meantime, the National Weather Service issued a new round of heat alerts to more than 108 million Americans today. Forecasts called for the Southwest to break temperature records again. In the day's other headlines, a wave of sizzling heat moved into central and southern California with forecasts topping the 100-degree mark through the weekend. It adds millions more people to excessive heat warnings that have blanketed the southwest for days. Still no relief from the heat tonight. A swath of the country stretching from the west to the south has spent another day sweltering in extreme temperatures. Phoenix faced a 15th straight day of temperatures at 110 degrees or higher. Heat warnings have also taken effect in much of California. But at Death Valley National Park, tourists have turned out to feel the burn. That is despite forecasts that readings could reach 130 this weekend. So that is how PBS handled it. And I wanted to show that in contrast to what I'm about to play. So on Fox, because it's very difficult to show you something that doesn't exist. Like I could say, oh, they didn't cover this. I have nothing to show you. So that's why I did that. Um, what Fox does typically with extreme uh, weather events, and there have been so many of them this year, especially with tornadoes in the South, which is unusual for the South, but nobody seems to say that. They just act like it's normal that, you know, the South has been inundated with tornado after tornado after tornado. Of course, they do have them, but it's normally uh, a bigger problem in the Midwest. But anyway, so they that's been a thing. So what they'll do is they'll show like heat somewhere, spend about 30 seconds on it, and then just go right into weather. And Janice Dean comes on, shows the map and goes, oh, this is why it's hot. And that's it. And that's the extent that Fox News acknowledges this. Now, this was a funny segment to me. It's subtle. But I thought, oh, this is the first time somebody has said, wait, maybe this is unusual. Maybe this is not normal. And this is from Fox and Friends. Uh, this is this exchange is between Ansley Einhart and Janice Dean, who is the weather person on Fox and Friends. A million people in the southwest are under extreme heat warnings. Our senior meteorologist Janice Dean is here with our Fox weather forecast. Is all this normal at this time of year, Janice? Uh, no, this is extreme when it comes to temperatures and the flooding that we are dealing with. Uh, let's take a look at the maps and I'll show you where we are dealing with the potential for severe storms. And I realize that what I just played for you is not much of anything. It was like one tiny comment. But just that one tiny comment was a huge step forward for Fox News because they just don't do that. The fact that Ansley Hannard is like, is this normal? No, it's extreme. That was like, what? Are you acknowledging that this is not typical summer weather? What? What is happening, Fox? You're slipping. Um, they just do not acknowledge the fact that climate change is a thing. And when they do, they have fake experts come on and they say it's not happening. They make light of it. They say all kinds of misleading things like they talk about electric cars. They say, well, they use power from a uh, 
power plant that's uh, fueled by coal or fueled by natural gas or oil. Yes, and that electric car is five times more energy efficient, meaning it's going to use a fifth of the energy that a gas-powered car would, would use. But you're not going to mention that. You're not going to mention that. You're just going to say, well, if the power plant is using natural gas, you might as well just use a gas-powered car. It's classic Fox. So another thing that they brought up uh, that wasn't a major story, but it was repeated quite often, was a brief little bit about how the climate czar, John Kerry, sometimes takes private flights. And they try to make that into a big, huge thing of like, hypocrisy how dare he and they were using a clip from i believe it was 2019 in which uh carrie admitted that he had taken a private flight and that was it that was the whole segment uh, you know way to go fox so this next one uh cracks me up because okay so former new jersey governor chris christie is running for president he is incredibly vocally critical of former president Donald J. Trump. Like, he goes straight for his throat. Fox News has been having him on quite a bit. And I feel like I could be wrong, but it, it's I sense that it feels like they're bringing him on as a proxy to criticize Trump without actually criticizing Trump. Because I don't feel like the neighbor the, the network is completely sold on Trump as the nominee. They will, they will back whomever gets the nomination 1,000%. But there has been because of all the legal problems and because he might not do as well in a general election, it seems that Fox is sort of hedging their bets. They've brought up Governor Glenn Youngkin from Virginia quite a bit. They bring up Tim Scott. They talk, Vivek Ramaswamy is on the network far too often considering how obscure he is in reality. Um, so they just, they just seem to kind of not completely are 100% sold on Trump. Uh, this was interesting because he was on, Chris Christie was on Fox News Tonight for an extended segment, seven minutes, which on cable news is a very long segment. And he spent most of his time ripping on Trump. He didn't say like, I'm running for president. That was sort of an afterthought. And as he was ripping on Trump, Piers Morgan, who was the host, didn't really push back much. I mean, let's just look at this as an example. What member of Donald Trump's senior staff or senior cabinet members would work for him again? Not one of his secretaries of state, not one of his secretaries of defense, neither of his attorneys general, not any of his chiefs of staff, not any of his White House counsel. What does that tell you about what it's like to work for this man? And what does but that you tell you? About you wanted to work. For no, him. I did not. You wanted I, to be his attorney general. No, excuse me. Didn't I you? got offered. I got offered Secretary of Labor, Secretary of Homeland Security, White House Chief of Staff, and I turned them all down. But you so, did. But you did support him. Yes, I did. Until you but, say January the sixth. No, was, not January the sixth. Let me be very clear. People get this wrong. Election night, 2020, when he stood up in the East Room of the White House behind the seal of the president and said the election was stolen, when not even all the votes had been counted, and he had no evidence, and to this day has no evidence that the election was stolen. That's when I abandoned him. And by the way, he abandoned me and others like me who supported him. I was the first one on board in 2016. I chaired his opioid commission. I chaired his transition. Mm -hmm. I prepped him for the debates in 16 and in 20. I did everything I could to support Donald Trump and make him the best president he could be. But he disappointed me and he let me down. He didn't repeal and replace Obamacare with a Republican Congress when he said he would. He added $6 trillion to the national debt. 
He didn't build the wall in Mexico. He built 47 miles of wall. And guess what? We paid for every nickel of it. We got the first peso from Mexico. And so when you look at the ways that he failed us, not even talking about his personal conduct, as a, as a president, how he failed us, he abandoned me. All right. This and is... you, know what, you know what Republican voters deserve more than anything else? Two things. They deserve the truth, which they don't get from Donald Trump. And they deserve results on the issues they care about, like immigration and the national debt and educational freedom. And by the way, on educational freedom, he didn't do one thing to make it easier. So for what does this say? What does this say about? So yes, um, and Piers Morgan is not the only person that's had Chris Christie on for an extended segment like that and just let him go. Uh, I've seen Chris Christie on other primetime shows just go off and nobody seems to stop him or try to shut him up and you'd think that they would if they didn't want him to talk so i just find that interesting and it's also interesting that chris christie again you'd think if he was a candidate a serious candidate running for president he would pitch himself but he didn't really do that he spent more far more time ripping on donald j trump that was an edited version of a longer segment but he didn't he didn't go, well, I've done this, and I've done that, and I'm so great, and this is my policy. He just went, uh, Donald A. Trump is a menace, yada, yada, yada. The only thing he really pitched himself in that segment is he talked about Ukraine and was very critical, again, of Trump's uh, attitude towards Ukraine and the Ukraine war. So the next up, we have another classic. This is a double, double header of Deucey Goes Rogue. And these are my favorite segments now where uh, once you start seeing these, you can't unsee them, where Steve Ducey seemingly kind of goes off script. And these are two different uh, clips, but I'll just play the first one and break it down. It, it, the, the problem with that particular guy that you mentioned, uh, Brian, uh, Gal Luft, who was indicted yesterday on 36 charges. He faces 100 years in prison. He's on the lam. He's the guy James Comer said was their secret uh, informant who had all the goods on the Biden family. Uh, he's, and we're going to talk more extensively about him in about 45 minutes at the top of but the But do you think that's unrelated, hour. the fact that all these charges on him, 36, isn't that very similar to he Donald Trump? Oh, that's he what says he said. it's not true. Right. He said the reason they're charging him with all of this is because he went to the FBI and he told them all these secrets about the Biden family right. that he knew. And in exchange, the very same agency, the DOJ, the big umbrella agency, after went after him. So Luft made a very odd video where he just talked to a camera and that got picked up by the New York Post. And they included a segment of that on uh, a couple shows last week. And I'll tell you, he, if you want to watch a very odd video, you can probably find the whole video on YouTube at New York Post. Luft comes across as an absolute crazy person. Uh, completely nutty. Very, very odd. Everything about it is strange. And... Let me just read. This is from the U.S. attorney, Damian Williams. This is from the charging documents. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm using the correct term when it comes to like a federal case, but this is from the Department of Justice. This is from basically the statement of like, this is why we arrested this guy. Here are the charges against him. Anybody can look this up. Uh, and this is the statement. As alleged, Gal Luft, a du dual U.S.-Israeli citizen and co-head of a Maryland think tank, engaged in multiple serious criminal schemes. He subverted 
foreign agent registration laws in the United States to promote Chinese policies by acting through a former high-ranking U.S. government official. He acted as a broker in deals for dangerous weapons and Iranian oil, and he told multiple lies about his crimes to law enforcement. As the charges unsealed today reflect, our office will continue to work vigorously with our law enforcement partners to detect and hold accountable those who surreptitiously attempt to perpetuate malign foreign influence campaigns here in the United States. Ouch! So Luff's case goes back all the way to 2016 when he failed to register as a foreign agent while acting to advance Chinese interests in the U.S. He's also accused of helping Chinese companies sell weapons to Libya, and he's allegedly attempted to sell weapons to the United Arab Emirates and drones to Kenya. Federal officials say he attempted to bypass U.S. sanctions on Iranian oil by telling an associate to falsely say the oil was from Brazil. Luft was arrested in Libya back in February <laughs> and fled after being released on bail pending extradition. So this man is on the lam. He's been on the lam for months on charges against him by the U.S. government. We just They just filed more charges against him. And he's saying this is because he claims he went all the way back, I think, to 2015 with his claims about Hunter Biden. Convenient that he comes up with that time frame. That would be some really uh, complicated uh, chess by the part of the Department of Justice to, you know, go all the way back, that far back, and create this entire scheme. I mean, this is ridiculous. The guy sounds like a nut job. If you, if you don't believe me, just watch it, and you're going to be like, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem incredibly credible to me. Does not seem incredibly credible. Um, and there's no, again, paper. You'd think there'd be paper, paperwork that would prove, oh, this transaction, this email, this letter. So this next clip is in reference to the congressional committee that's investigating the FBI. And this was a major story on Fox News last week, as you'd expect it to be. But the network pretty much just um, broke it down to clips of Republican congresspeople yelling at Ray. That was pretty much it. It was like Matt Gates and Jim Jordan like, how dare you, Ray? And Ray going, yeah, I can't really talk about that. Or it's an ongoing investigation or... Ray just sort of looking confused as they accused him of, you know, somehow trying to show deference to President Biden. Um, so this is a brief clip of Ducey kind of pushing back a little bit on this. Lucas, the reason the FBI director, as, as I listened to hours of it yesterday, the reason he couldn't answer a lot of the questions like what Matt Gates was asking was because there's a longstanding FBI policy and Department of Justice policy not to comment comment on ongoing investigations and what he was asking about is ongoing they love to fall back on that right guys and uh, you know yeah so yeah you just do see pointing out the obvious but nobody does that on fox it's always like he said it's an ongoing investigation obviously this is a cover-up you know like the fbi it's like trying to get a foia your request with the fbi that's a Freedom of Information Act. If you try to file, I learned this in grad school. If you try to file a FOIA request with the FBI, you're going to hit a brick wall for the most part, um, because everything will say will somehow involve an ongoing investigation, and that's what you'll get back. Uh, they'll spit that back out at you. 
there have been people who have successfully gotten stuff out of the FBI, but it's incredibly difficult. They will just waste your time and spend years, years. It's supposed to, <laughs> FOIA is supposed to be a quick turnaround, but the FBI finds ways to be like, you know what? We don't have to give that to you, and we're not. So just a little tip when you hear anybody say, I'm going to FOIA the FBI, they're just basically screaming into the wind. I'm pretty sure Vivek Ramaswamy, one of the candidates for president, um, said that last week, and I just sort of chuckled. I was like, good luck with that, buddy. Good luck with that. Vivek Ramaswamy. I find him humorous because I, he's worth millions, but millions of dollars are still not going to get information out of the FBI, buddy. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not, they don't care. They don't care. They're going to laugh in your face. They're going to say, thank you very much. Suck it. That's what they're going to FBI don't care. They don't need to care. You're not getting squat. Okay. Good or bad? I feel like I should do this before we move on to the next section very quickly, very briefly. Um, because I haven't done it. And I don't want to get people, like, I don't want to get an angry note. But Judge Jenny was on point last week. I'm telling you, when she's not on the five, I just think, what good is this show? Because they never put anybody decent in her chair. And I like her because... What the hell is she going to do? Is she going to weep over the table and throttle, you know, Greg Gutfeld to the ground? She scolded Jesse Waters for being a sexist more than once. Judge Janine. And she was angry. She said a bunch of stuff that was not accurate, but that's what she does. She's Judge Janine. I don't even know how she still has a job because she was all over that Dominion lawsuit, but whatever. The old timers, I'm sure, love her because she's a battle axe and she doesn't care. Okay, so the next section, it's not funny. That's why I wanted to get the funny out of the way. Um, is stories Fox News ignored. Every week I compare the hours I watch on Fox News with five hours of the PBS NewsHour. The following list are stories that PBS covered that Fox News did not. Here we go. According to the Kremlin, five days after its short-lived rebellion, the Wagner Group commanders pledged loyalty to the Russian government in a meeting with President Vladimir Putin. James Lewis, the sole suspect in the 1982 Tylenol poisonings that killed seven people in the Chicago area, died at the age of 76 in his home in a Boston suburb. Lewis did serve 12 years for attempting to extort Johnson & Johnson to, quote-unquote, stop the killings. Authorities could never get enough evidence to link him to the murders themselves. An Oklahoma judge tossed out a lawsuit filed by three survivors seeking reparations for the 1921 Tulsa race massacre. During the racist attack, hundreds of black people were murdered and thousands were left homeless as an angry white mob burned and looted a 35-block area then known as Black Wall Street. PBS produced a segment about what the recent SCOTUS decision on affirmative action in higher education might mean for the medical community. Currently, only 5.7% of doctors in the United States are black and 7% are Latino. Violence in the occupied West Bank continues to escalate. PBS produced two segments, one from the perspective of Palestinians living in the area and the other from the point of view of Israelis. Both segments focused on people living in the West Bank, not government spokespeople. The network also included a short segment about Israelis and Palestinians living in parts of Israel that are integrated and how the violence in the West Bank is bleeding over into more peaceful areas. Israelis continued mass protests against proposed changes to the judiciary by the far-right government, 
Netanyahu and his cabinet want to limit the power of the Supreme Court. Critics say it would weaken democracy in the country. Prosecutors in Georgia indicated that they would announce indictments for Trump and his co-conspirators regarding their efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election in their state. Indictments are expected in the first half of August. Former President Donald J. Trump's lawyers have petitioned the federal court in Miami that no date should be set until all substantive motions in the case involving the mishandling of classified documents were resolved. If granted, it could push the trial until after the 2024 election. Air Force General Charles Brown said that Senator Tuberville's protest that is holding up military promotions is hurting the military. Senator Tuberville conceded that white nationalists were racist after, saying it was a matter of opinion whether white nationalists were racist in an interview with CNN. Hackers may have stolen sensitive information from HCA Healthcare for 11 million people in 20 states. Samples of the data were found on spaces where cyber criminals sell information. PBS produced a segment about the increased popularity of non-alcoholic beer, wine, and cocktails. Bank of America has been ordered to pay $100 million to customers and $90 million in penalties, along with $60 million fine that has been ordered by the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency for creating new accounts without customers' consent and charging double for bank overdraft fees. Northwestern football coach Patrick Fitzgerald was fired over a scandal involving the hazing of players. The hazing involved coerced sexual acts and physical punishment. Inflation dropped sharply to 3%, the lowest rate in two years. The Federal Reserve is expected to raise interest rates the next time they meet in two weeks as the core inflation remains high at 4.8%. The European Union passed a major climate bill to restore natural habitats. The bill would require countries to restore 20% of nature areas within their borders on land and at sea. State-backed Chinese hackers hacked into Microsoft cloud-based security and penetrated U.S. government agencies that deal with China, ahead of Secretary of State Blinken's visit. Blinken warned the Chinese diplomats that the hackers will be held responsible. North Korea fired an ICBM missile that landed in the Sea of Japan as part of a test. PBS produced a segment that featured stunning images from the James Webb Telescope. Newly passed legislation bans abortion after six weeks in Iowa. Abortion had been legal in the state up to 20 weeks. More than 100 people have died during a record monsoon rains that led to massive flooding in parts of northern India this week. It's the worst flooding the area has seen in 40 years. A mass grave containing the bodies of 87 people was discovered in West Darfur. The United Nations Human Rights Office had credible information that the rapid support forces were responsible. The federal jury found the gunman responsible for the mass shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh is eligible for the death penalty. Trusses raised the roof on the fire-damaged Notre Dame in Cathedral in Paris. The building is expected to reopen in December 2024. Milan Kundra, a Czech novelist and former dissident, died at the age of 94. He's best known for the novel The Unbearable Lightness of Being. Russia banned all gender-affirming care for trans people, dissolved marriages of transgender people, 
placed a ban on changing gender markers in official documents and prevented trans people from adopting or taking guardianship over children. PBS produced a segment about the 50th anniversary of the Watergate scandal. One of the Watergate prosecutors, Jill Wine-Banks, compared Trump's many legal problems with Nixon and called out Fox News for spreading lies and disinformation. India launched an unmanned rocket to land a spacecraft on the moon. The Biden administration canceled $39 million worth of student debt for 80,000 borrowers. It's intended to fix mistakes made by loan services in the income-driven payment plans. An appeals court overturned the judge who blocked the U.S. government from contacting social media companies. The final decision will be decided based on a lawsuit filed by Missouri and Louisiana attorneys general. Years before Roe v. Wade was overturned, researchers found a link between abortion access and violence towards women. As women lose access to reproductive care, they are more likely to be a victim of violence from men. And this is happening all over the country. PBS produced a segment about how wind energy farms are hotly contested in some rural areas, as some residents see them as an eyesore, while some communities have benefited from the increased economic activity they bring. Marketa van der Suvosa of the Czech Republic became the first unseated woman to win Wimbledon. UK junior doctors staged a 96-hour walkout over better wages. PBS produced a segment about a program that uses discarded oyster shells to build artificial reefs to save coastland in Louisiana. Now, what's so shocking about all those stories is that's over five hours of the PBS NewsHour, and I compared that to 20 hours of Fox News. That is how thin Fox News is. It's just the same five stories recycled over and over again. They don't go into anything international. They don't talk about climate change at all when there's disasters happening all over the world. They don't talk about so much. And viewers of Fox News miss out on all of that that I just listed every single week. The, the list is sometimes shorter, it's sometimes longer, but it's always disgraceful how much Fox News leaves out. Now we're going on to buy the numbers. And this got very popular when Aaron Rupar posted one of my uh, charts I suspect another media company they produced. <laughs> I posted a chart that showed that Hunter Biden. I produced a chart that showed Hunter Biden was mentioned 247 times on Fox News on the shows that I watched, the 20 hours that I watched. And then like Aaron Rupar uh, took took a screenshot of the graph, put it on Twitter. Aaron Rupar has like five times the following that I have. And the next day, another media company came out with. Fox News talked about Hunter Biden 400 times last week, and I sort of laughed. Um, they didn't steal because it was they expanded upon the same idea. It could have been a complete coincidence. I don't know. I thought it was funny. I won't mention the media company. Um, I had a good chuckle about that. Uh, they went through transcripts that they paid for. I do them by hand. With each show that I watch, I turn it into a transcript, and then I turn it into a giant transcript, and I search. That's how I do it every week. It's very labor intensive. So anyway, by the numbers for Fox, the top five topics last week were anti-Biden, which is basically Biden bashing. I think I'm going to rename that to Biden bashing because I think it's funnier. 16% cocaine found at the White House, 9%. 7% was the House investigation into the FBI. Hunter Biden was 5%. And then Democratic cities and states are hell is 5%. And that's just general... It's not crime stories. It's it's a lot of it's about homelessness and just general like all these cities and 
blue states are falling apart and it can be very broad. So I kind of created my own category there. So for PBS, the top five were NATO summit, 14%, extreme weather across the US and around the world, 7%, author profile, which was just people talking about their books, 6%, West Bank violence, 6%, and the 50th anniversary of the Watergate scandal, 4%. For the words used on Fox uh, last week, Biden at a staggering 547, <laughs> Trump 163, Hunter Biden right under Trump at 133, Ukraine at 119, cocaine 93, crime 75, border 49, RFK Jr., this one's interesting, 29 mentions, DeSantis only 26, and a lot of those were Casey DeSantis because they were talking about his wife a lot, Summer just the term summer, 23 times, Obama, 17, Hillary, 12, because why not? Beach chair, nine mentions. Inflation, only eight. I wonder why inflation dropped so dramatically to eight mentions. Maybe because inflation actually dropped. So then we also had cognitive decline. That phrase came up eight times. Climate change, six times. AOC, five times. And I triple checked this, the term heat wave, zero. They didn't say it once. They said heat, but they didn't say heat wave. I thought that was interesting. This week, I'll be back to one primetime show, which will help me find my sanity, uh, as Fox News Tonight is no longer in the lineup. I'll be covering Fox News Tonight, The Five, and Jesse Waters primetime. I will also cover Trump's town hall on Hannity on Tuesday. should have some more stuff coming for the paid subscribers. I got backed up uh, working on the Andrew Tate two-and-a-half-hour interview from hell. I had to go through it twice. That was a lot of my life uh, broken down into misery for some videos on Twitter. Ha, 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 ha. Anyway, um, I said I would do it. I did it. And there you go. If you would like to support this project, you can do so by going to my Substack. You can also go to my Patreon for Decoding Fox News. Um, there's a dollar bill sign next to my name on Twitter. You can do it that way. Odin and Thor send their love. Thank you so much for listening. I just want to point out that when I listen to other podcasts, at this point, they have a list of people like sound engineering and and uh, producer and intern and blah, 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 and this and that. Here's the entire crew for this podcast. Juliet Jeske, that's it. I'm it. I'm the whole thing. The entire Megillah. That's a Yiddish term. That's it. That's all you got. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you at the next podcast. Thank you.